Hey there, theater people. So you did it again. With 12 days left in our Kickstarter campaign, you got us to our one and only stretch goal of $6,000. This is going to allow us to upgrade the show in just the most fun way possible. I really, I don't know how to thank you enough. First, getting us to our initial goal of $5,000 in eight days, and then getting us to our stretch goal like a week later. I'm so completely blown away. I know you're probably sick of hearing me say that, but I am. We had no idea what was going to happen when we launched this campaign. So to have experienced the love and kindness and just general cheering on that we've received over the last few weeks has been completely validating and tremendous. So you've got another year of theater people coming your way. We've already lined up incredible guests like Sierra Bajas, Lena Hall, Carrie Butler. We can't wait to bring them to you. It's still possible to give if you haven't and you want to. You can find the link on our website, www.theaterpeople.com. That's theater with an E-R-P-P-L.com or by searching Kickstarter for the Theater People podcast. I love you guys. Is that weird to say? Whatever. I love you guys. All right, now to the show. Hello, fellow theater people. Welcome to the Theater People podcast. I'm Patrick Hines, your host. So here's the thing. I'm crazy about the show, It Should Have Been You. It's currently playing on Broadway at the Brooks Atkinson Theater, and I just want to say, go see it. It's fun, it's sentimental, it's hilarious, and it's making a star of today's guest, the show's leading lady, the fabulous Lisa Howard. Like a lot of people, I first discovered Lisa back in 2006 when she starred as Rona Lisa Peretti, one of the moderators in Bill Finn's 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. I mean, that voice, you guys, good lord. I was a fan immediately. I followed her career as she went into South Pacific, 9 to 5, and Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, and I was just elated to find her back on Broadway in It Should Have Been You. Acting in this show alongside Broadway greats like Tyne Daly and Harriet Harris, Lisa more than holds her own. She shines. A quick note, there isn't a cast album available yet, so we won't be playing any music from the show during the interview, but I highly, highly, highly recommend going to YouTube and watching Lisa sing her show-stopping number, Jenny's Blues. We'll also have a link on our website. It's amazing. I was so grateful that she made time to come talk to us. Here's our conversation. Oh, before I forget, stick around after the interview. I have a fun little surprise for you guys. Lisa Howard. It Hi. is I'm so excited to meet you. Thank you for being on the Theater People podcast. I love it. Thanks I for saw, having me. Yeah, I saw it should have been you the other night, like two nights Great. ago. And I like as soon as like it, we were ten minutes in, I was like, I cannot wait to talk to her. I just I just loved you, and I loved it. It was so amazing. Thank you. Thank you very much. We should probably give like a quick synopsis for people okay. who maybe haven't seen the show yet. Okay. Um, and I wrote a little thing, and you can... Oh, you shall know. I read it? No, 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 no. no. Oh. I'll, I'll say it. Okay. I'll say it. <laughs> I, I I, I'd be happy to. This is an audition. <laughs> Um, okay, so uh, so it should have been you. Uh, takes place on the wedding day of Rebecca and Brian. You play Jenny, Rebecca's big sister, who is planned and is executing the wedding. Unbeknownst to you and the rest of the family, Rebecca and Brian have a secret that will be revealed. So that's just kind of the general. Yes. Would you agree? Yes. Okay. Most definitely. And I was saying, um, I was saying earlier that it's hard, sort of, to talk about the show without talking about the reveal, mm-hmm. which I know we can't really do. Right. But I went in knowing. Okay. And I will say that, like, so it's a fabulous, beautiful mu- musical comedy, but also has really deep, like, really, like, um, it, it was like an emotional journey for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, I think that's 
that's what makes the show successful is because it's not just comedy. You you really care for these characters and you go on a journey with them. You yeah. really do. And the show plays out almost like in real time. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's, it's one act mm-hmm. and it takes place like on the, on the day of the wedding. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. How did this part come to you? Well, luckily enough... Years ago, when Barbara and Selmy was first working on the project, and at this point in time, Brian Hargrove was on it with her, and they had, um, I don't know if the whole show had been written yet, but they were doing a presentation of it, a 30-minute presentation of it for the NAMPT Festival, the National Alliance of Musical Theater, and they, you know, do a whole bunch of new works, and um, producers and uh, theater people from all over the country come and see these new projects and decide, you know, that they want to have it at their theater and, and whatnot. And um, I'll have to ask her again, but someone, whether she knew me from a connection from doing the readings down at NYU for their graduate right. musical theater writing program. So she gave me a call and asked if I would do this part because I fit the part of Jenny very well. <laughs> <laughs> Can you maybe exp- talk about Jenny a little bit and why you're a good fit for it? Yeah, sure. Um, Jenny is the older sister of the bride. Um, as her mother says, you have such a pretty face. If you'd skipped a few meals, maybe it'd be <laughs> you getting married today instead of your younger sister. You know, I'm a, I'm a plus-size model. Um, I've always been curvy. Um, I've gotten that numerous times in my life. People uh-huh. look at you and they have such a pretty face and then they shake their head and they're like oh and you're like thank you wow (laughs) um and so in that respect I fit the description of what Jenny looks like and um it's also a great vocal part she gets to sing all over her range um and uh and so I think that's, you know, Barbara said, oh, I know I know she can act it. I know she can yeah. sing it vocally, and she looks the part. <laughs> and it made its debut at the George Street Playhouse? Yeah, yeah, George uh, Street. A couple years ago. Mm-hmm. In uh, the fall of 2011. Okay. And then it had a few, like, sort of false starts before coming to Broadway. Well, I, I think so. There was nothing ever official. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that they were, pr- I think, going to try to get it in. The following year, and then it didn't happen, and then the following year, the following season, and maybe they couldn't get the right theater, or the the backing wasn't there. You know, all the puzzle pieces hadn't fit together yet. So, it, it's it was a project that I always I you know I dreamed. Please, you know, let this one come. Yeah, <laughs> like, let, 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 you know, but it all comes at the time it's supposed to. Um, then I think the third time when it was rumored to maybe start in November of 2013 or December, like sometime in their start rehearsals then to open in early for 2014, um, I called Barbara and I was like, it can't happen then. It can't happen then because I was pregnant. I was due yes. November 21st or something like that. I was like, it can't happen then. <laughs> Please, God, you know. And it worked out. It, it, yeah. You know, so – it's it's so interesting. I was going to get to this later, but I think we just need to talk about it because sure. I have a one-year-old, a one-year-old uh-huh. daughter. Congratulations. So thank you. Oh, my God. She's the cutest thing. <laughs> and you have two mm-hmm. kids, and one is a relatively new. He's 17 months. Okay. So New York.com just did like a day in the life of Lisa Howard the other day, right? And I yeah. was reading it. And you get up, like all parents, you get up with your kid at like 6 in the morning, Mm -hmm. and they happen to follow you on opening night. Yeah. And I was going through the day thinking, okay, she did a show the night before, she gets home, she's 
up at six in the morning. She's got to do opening night tonight. And I literally scrolled through the, the timeline looking for your nap. Yeah. And there isn't one. No. Some How days, believe me, it? some days I do get one. I think today might be one of those oh, days. Oh, good. Please. Um, well, especially for an opening night, you have adrenaline. Yeah. You have adrenaline going. Um, you know, so that helped on that day. Uh, thank goodness there's a couch uh-huh. in my dressing room. Do you ever just get to the theater two hours early and sleep? Yes. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. No, I, I, I have to. Like, seriously, last night I got four and a half hours of sleep. So I will be heading there Yeah. Short, I shortly. mean, I totally relate to that. I totally, like, yeah. as a new parent, think, like, I, 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 and, and now you're carrying a Broadway show for the first time in your career. How, how is that going? It's great. Um, and I, I've said this before. Um, Someone asked me if, if it feels different doing this kind of a show to have that much weight on your shoulders, you know. Um, to me, it just feels like the same work I've always done. I put the same amount of effort, whether I'm the head nurse in right, South Pacific, right, yeah. um, as this. I just I just get to sing more songs. Right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. You know, so that's my approach to it. So I would do the same things to take care of myself and, the you know, um, and this show, I love doing it so much. It's an hour and 45 minutes. And it's nonstop. It's, it's like nonstop. Straight through. You don't even have time to get bored or tired. Right. It, yeah. it, honestly. In South Pacific, I learned how to watercolor. I did, <laughs> I exercised. I, you know, shopped online. And then I would go out and do my, you know, wash that man right out of my hair. <laughs> which I also loved, too. Um, you know, so... Yeah, I don't feel that there's some kind of different pressure because you always, as an actor, or at least for me, you always do the work the same no matter what part it is. And you feel, you're like, yeah, I get to do it more. Yeah. It's interesting, too, the difference between a show like this and a show like South Pacific is that you have, like, a really, like, a much smaller company here. And you're in, like, you have this great cast. The cast is amazing. It's, like, you and Tyne Daly and Harriet Harris and David Burka and Sierra Bajas and Chip Zion. Like, all these amazing, like, Broadway heavyweights. How is it to work amongst that company? Well, it's great. Nobody lets the ball drop. Yeah. And it's, there's no leads and chorus. Right. It's, it's a total ensemble show. So, you know, it's a great game of volleyball. And it's funny because that's what David... Hyde Pierce had us do a lot of times in rehearsal. Director, yeah. Was we we played volleyball. Really? For that reason, working together, collaborating as a group for a common goal. Um yeah. which I love. I love that. I whenever he said volleyball time, you know, I was always like, Woo! <laughs> um but it's the same thing on stage. Everyone is very present and very in it and it which makes them all great actors and so fun to act with. It's yeah. nobody is um showboating for themselves. Right. I read this cool... So there's been, like, a lot of this has been... A lot has been made of this being, like, a star vehicle for you. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced, like, this being your, like, coming out as, like, being a Broadway star now? Um, in terms of I'm getting more press coverage... Sure. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. people are always interested in the person who has the most to say on stage. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, for those of us who have been fans from like the beginning, it's so great to yeah. see, which I'm certainly among that, that group of people who like just remembered you always from Spelling Bee and thought, oh my goodness, like she gets, we get to hear her, like you said, do more now. Right. And what a great opportunity that is for all of us. Right. And it's just nice to um, feel recognized for the work that you've are doing now and have done. Mm-hmm. 
you know. Speaking of congratulations on the Drama Desk nomination. Thank you. How is it, how is award season? Mike and I were talking about this before you got here. I know you had like a busy day of interviews today. Yeah. Is that fun? Is it fun to get to go to do a lot of stuff outside of your responsibilities in the show? Or is it just, is it like a lot of hard work? It's a little of both. I mean, only because your days are packed. And I actually had two fittings today, too, because I'm a, a fit model yep. as well. So, you know, you got to keep your clients. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I, I did that, and I have two interviews. But it just comes with the course because it's not always like this. It'll just be now, and you know that. So you just gear up for it and plan accordingly and know that sometime, hopefully in this summer, I'll have – chance to breathe. <laughs> yeah. I wanted to ask you a little bit about being directed by David Hyde Pierce. Just only because, you know, people know him as an actor. Mm-hmm. You know, like a great stage actor, a great like TV uh, TV actor. How? And I, I, I don't know if it was in reference to this project, but I remember a while back reading about him talking about, like, taking a stab at being a director, and we'll see how that goes. How, yeah. how was he as a director? I love working with him. He's, because he's an actor, he's very kind to actors and he gets what he wants um, but he does it in a way that is not you know through intimidation or through fear which a lot of directors you know they do this or or like what was that or you know um, he's very positive in the way he'll pull you aside and say think about this or why don't you try this let's see if that works you know and, and when something doesn't work he says all right, ignore that direction I gave you. Forget that. Forget that. That was awful. You know, and, and so it's a lot of give and takes. You felt or I feel, you know, free to be creative and make different choices. Yeah. Whereas sometimes in some, you know, circumstances you're a little intimidated and which makes an actor more nervous and less willing to go out on a limb. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I would much rather work in that kind of environment. How in in regards to the the sort of twist that happens in the show, how is it is it like do do you think people are going to start coming in knowing more? Well, I think so, just from word of mouth. Although people have been really great in the press wise, and even people who have come to see the show, they'll say, "I told my friends to come and see it, but I didn't tell them <laughs> the twist." Or, you know, it's, it's funny because I feel like people should go back and see it. Like once you've seen it and you and you know what happened, and then you'll see things. You, I mean, like I said, I went in like knowing what was going to happen, mm-hmm. and I really felt like I like Were you I still surprised. No, well, no, because <laughs> I knew. But but I will say the way that the that the twist was handled yeah. was so. I'm trying to think of the vaguest words possible to use, but but it was it was so well handled and mm-hmm. so positive and yeah. so you know and so um, just so like it was just so well done, you know. But I think that the show can stand on its own two feet without it necessarily being about a twist. You yeah, know? no, like, there's most so definitely. much to it, and it's and it's not just about that certain plot point either, right. because really the story revolves around Jenny yes. and, and how she deals with this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say more than that, but in how she's trying to hold it together. And, and she finally comes into her own and, and, and puts her foot down and says, okay, I, I'm done being a doormat. Yes. I'm well, done being a doormat. I, I, I've had it. I'm, I'm done. And you walk away feeling like there's... It's just about self-love. like it's, Exactly. It's, you know what I mean? Like that's the In either, in both situations. Exactly. About really, you know, accepting the person that 
you are. Yeah. And accepting other people. How are the the uh, audience's reactions? I mean, are people f- eating it up? Yeah. They're loving it every it, every night. They're they're. I've never been in a show where they are so vocal. Uh-huh. Every these things. You, when Tyne maybe makes her snide comments about me, people are like, uh-uh. <laughs> they can't help themselves. Right. Or, or there's lots of, oh. <gasps> you know, you hear audible gasps. Yes. You know, it's, it's gr- I've never quite been in a show when there's a line, it's only one word. Harriet Harris says, yes. And the <laughs> audience screams. Yeah. I mean, it's like a rock concert. It's, it's true. It's hard not to smile at it, but obviously you're in the scene and it's not necessarily appropriate. But the wall of sound, that and it's every night. No matter if the audience is a quieter one or not, every night when she says, yes, it's like, <laughs> yeah, the, the room explodes, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's such a it's such a tremendous guy. I've just been like a walking advertisement for the show since I, I just oh, I can't stop talking about it. I just great. think it's so, it's so positive and so fun and the music is so good and the talent involved is all so wonderful. So congrats, big congratulations. Thank you so much. Do you mind if we go back and talk about some of your earlier work? Sure, I, I don't mind at all. You were mentioning that you, your job before you sort of got discovered was you did um, like cold readings for the mu- the graduate musical theater program at NYU? Right, not necessarily cold readings. Um, every the grad students have their thesis projects, and so they're I think thirty minute musicals that they write, and um, NYU hires actors to come in for a four day period um, and a two day for the. Um, what they call them the one acts, the 15-minute presentation, you know, depending on what year in school they are. Right. Um, they hire actors to come and learn these pieces and put them on its feet for a reading for them after the four days of rehearsal. So it's not really cold reading, but, you know, it's a pretty quick got process. It. Um, it seems like you got, like, two huge jobs just from being a part of this. Yeah. I mean, so it's, the first it's, thing it's I was like that, say- It's that networking thing. People yeah. say, do good work. Make connections. Be yeah. somebody people want to work with. <laughs> it's so interesting because I've know. heard of actors being like readers, you know, for auditions or whatever. But yeah, I that's, never quite. That's a heard different of, thing. Yeah, yeah, this seems like such an like such an interesting. Is this something you audition you auditioned to do? No, um, a casting director who had seen me at my senior showcase from CCM had recommended me to Marie Costanza, who does the casting for these projects. So she called me that's and asked amazing. me to do it. And so then how did that help lead to your casting in uh, Spelling Bee? Well, because Bill Finn is an adjunct professor there. And so he comes to see all the thesis projects because he teaches classes to Mm -hmm. these students. And so over the years, I'd done them for several years. And so he's seen me do every kind of character imaginable, Uh you know, and all kinds of vocal styles and all this. And and so when it came time when he was writing uh, Spelling Bee... He wanted someone who could sing yeah. for the teacher, and uh, I improv was not necessarily at all my background. But having seen me do lots of different characters, and he said to you know the improv people that side of the project, no, 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 I, I know she can do it uh-huh. because that's not my forte of going in and like here here's describe a character okay now talk like her and be funny <laughs> I, I, that's not my thing 
thing, you know, I'll, I'll talk like her. It's not necessarily going to be funny, but give me a script and right. I'll be fine. At what point in the process of the creating of that show, you you went out to Massachusetts to yep. do it in its infancy, right? When it was just a workshop, maybe a, only a couple songs had been written. So we did that, you know, I think we got paid like $160 a week. <laughs> so, you know, I lost money doing yeah, it. Of course. But I was thrilled because I was working on a new Bill Finn musical. Right. Um, and I had done falsettos in college. And I, you know, played Trin and I was like, oh, I get to work with Bill Finn, you know. Yes. And, and in that process, you know, he's writing me songs. You're like, this is amazing. You know, so of course you do it. When you're young, you do that. You have to. Like, you can't do that now. I have two kids and a mortgage and they right. you, you can't go to the Berkshires right. for $160 a week. <laughs> but then you can. Right. Um, and so then, I forget where I was going with this. Oh, but, Oh, who cares? It was but so that, fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> but, that's, but that's how the connection to spelling became because yeah. Bill knew me from there. That's why he had he, they brought me in for that project. And so we did the workshop in February of 2004. And then that summer, we did a production of it up at Barrington Stage in the cafetorium. Right. That's right. It so was literally can... a cafeteria in an elementary right. school that had a little stage. I mean, it was perfect for spelling bee. Right, exactly. I was like, guys. We're in a cafeteria. <laughs> Not kidding. I soberly confide in the moment before the bee claims its first catastrophe. I love what I see. Kids acting innocently. It's my favorite moment of the And then that fall, James Lapine came on as our director. Right. We were at second stage off Broadway. And that winter, January, February, I don't remember exactly, we were on Broadway. Just like it happened it, just like that. It, it never, never happens. happens like that. It was whirlwinds from a project that had like a couple songs written and some people had put together an improv show of about a spelling bee to being at the Tony Awards right. um, the next spring. I'm always so interested about... I mean, pretty much almost everybody in Spelling Bee is like a lead. Everyone has like a, at least a featured moment. Yeah. I'm so interested in people who make their Broadway debut in a, in a leading role like that. I mean, did yeah. you ever foresee something like that happening for you? No, and I always said, you know, then when I was doing the show, I mean, this is amazing. I'm not, you know, the second shrub to the left right. in my Broadway opening, which would have been fine, which would have been great, and, you know, but I, I felt very lucky that yeah. I got to have a part and a part that people remember and they love the you know the cast album and people yeah. say oh that I love you song is my favorite song I played all the time uh, and, you know I could like you cry just thinking about it <laughs> <laughs> so no I, I felt very fortunate We had Celia on the show a while back, and we I always, whenever we meet anybody from Spelling Bee, I always have to ask, like, do you, so if, if anybody hasn't seen Spelling Bee, it's kind of like, you know, in the beginning they bring, it's about spellers, like mm-hmm. going through a Spelling Bee, and they bring people from the audience up. Do you have any, like, favorite memories of, like, a, a funny situation or a celebrity that was just, went wacky? 
There were so many. There was one time when the guy we called up, obviously he wasn't drunk when uh, they picked him because they wouldn't have, but I think he might have been nervous and went to the bar a couple times um, because we were like, whoa, okay, buddy, give him a hard one. Let's get this guy out. Like, oh, easy camper. You know, like, (laughs) what's happening here? Um, That's so funny. We had so many different kinds of people. We had a nun uh, one time. I'm trying to think of the thing we said about her. It was really funny. Um, so you did ultimately have to improv then, I guess, yes, when you were... Yes, t- I totally did. So as the lights went down on us, as a speller went up, Jay and I, Principal Panch, would come up with something to say about the next guest speller that would come up, whether it was poking fun at what they were wearing or what they looked like mm-hmm. or, or, and sometimes we would do a blank and then I would have a list of kind of more general ones that could work uh-huh. for that, you know, or sometimes Jay would write me one and I'd read it. I'd be like, <laughs> and he'd be like, say it, it's funny, you know, like, <laughs> and then I'd say it and sometimes it would work and, and sometimes they wouldn't. And I would do my very, my Rona thing and I would say the line and then chirp, 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 just nothing, just nothing, you know. Oh my God, that shit was the best. I always think about, I was sitting, we got the rush tickets and we were sitting like right in the front row. Uh-huh. And I remember Jesse Tyler Ferguson, it was, a, I don't remember exactly what he said, but he said something that was so funny and I couldn't stop laughing and it got to the point where the audience was laughing at me so then you walked to the foot of the stage and gave me a very stern teachly like it is time to be quiet and that was when I was like I love her that happened more than once there one time there was this almost a heckler this girl who was on uh, stage uh, left and she was right here by my desk and she kept yelling out and she kept yelling it was very distracting it was people were starting to stumble on their lines because she would I don't know what her problem was, but she kept yelling things out. And finally, as Rona, I don't remember exactly what I said now, but I, I gave her a stern talking to <laughs> as as in totally in character. And I said something about the um, members in this audience need to be quiet because you are distracting the spellers. And if they misspelled a word and got out, it would be your fault or something like yeah, that, yeah, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was in character. But I was like, shut up, lady. Like, <laughs> and she did. She got the, she got the hint. But I, I mean, that was bizarre. That is so crazy. Yeah. So that was the great part about that show, though. Me, as the host, I, could t- I talked to the audience. There was no fourth wall. They were in amongst us. So that was awesome. And it's something about that space, Circle in the Square. Mm-hmm. I think it takes a really special show to work there. Yeah. You know, like Spelling Bee is perfect there. Fun Home, of course, is perfect there. Yeah. I uh, haven't seen that yet. I'm sorry. I'm assuming you you have something else going on yeah. right now that, that precludes you from being able to see shows. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you about another show that you were in that I loved, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Yeah. Now, I read... That you, what was your journey with that show? Because you had been originally cast in in the role of one of the divas, but couldn't yeah. do it. Yeah, I um, auditioned while I was doing Emma Daughter Jug Band Christmas, mm-hmm. and uh, I auditioned for it in the the fall, and had callbacks and callbacks and all that good stuff. And I remember my first audition for the show. I remember I had just gotten 
I was pregnant and I was nauseous as all get out. And I was sitting before I had to go and I was like eating a saltine cracker and I was like, oh, let's get this over with. <laughs> you know, so I went in and I was, I think that's one of the things where you don't really care because you're like, oh, I got, I got other things on my mind. Yeah. You know, you go yeah. in and you always have a great audition. Um, and so then I got called back and called back and so I finally got the show. Um, and then while I was doing Emma Daughter's Jug Band Christmas up at the Goodspeed Opera House, uh, by this time I was like, five months pregnant and I was playing Mrs. Fox. I don't know if you know the show well. <laughs> no. But anyways, I had these two huge bustles on the, and fox head and a tail and all this stuff. But the costume was pretty heavy and and um, I was on stage and I took a step down. Jill Abramovitz was on the stage with me and my knee gave out. Uh-huh. I, I totally injured my knee. I ended up I didn't know it at the time, but I, my ACL ripped in half, and I had all the kinds of meniscus damage. I mean, crazy. I I was just walking, but it was, had to oh. do with the pregnancy and everything. Yeah, 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 of course. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I had to wait until after the baby was born to have knee surgery because you can't have surgery right. unless it's emergency surgery while you're pregnant. Yeah. So here's me, just pregnant, getting bigger by the day, just <laughs> crutches, going to physical therapy, you know. Um, and I had gotten cast. We weren't going to start until the fall. But because I had to wait for the surgery, I wasn't going to be healed in time to, to be able to do it. So I had to turn it down. Oh, God. Yeah. And, I mean, I guess I, I hope that – well, I want to I ask this question the right way. I mean, like, were you at a point in your career where you wanted to replace in a role? No. Did it matter to you? No. Okay. Well, for one, I was like, well, I kind of originally got it. Yeah. So she really replaced me. Yeah, exactly. I mean. <laughs> I don't know if that's a the, silly question. No, I, 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 at that point, I don't care because especially you have children. You have a mortgage right. to pay like, okay, yeah. uh, a job, great. Yeah. You know, that's like so, a super fun job. Right. And and uh, my friend Eric Scotto, who was in the company, when the girl who had done the show was leaving. He called me up and he said, your track is opening. <laughs> and he said, call your agent. So I did. And um, I just had to go in um, for the musical director and sing for him because he had not been in on the original auditions. Yeah. Because everyone else was like, oh, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Great. Oh, she wants to do it? No, she can do it? Great. <laughs> it's funny because as like a new parent, I was afraid to like get in a car or in an airplane or like cross the street because I was convinced I was just going to die all the time. <laughs> were you ever afraid like in those harnesses that you were going to like, that something would go wrong? Or? When I first, the harness itself wasn't bad. The one that goes around your legs yeah. and it's like a saddle. Let me That's explain for bad. people who don't know the show, yeah. the divas who, who you were, who you were, yep. they fly around. They fly we're, in, they fly out. We're constantly flying. Yeah. In I the palace never, theater, which is huge. Right. I had never flown in a show. Um, the one where you're in the, it's kind of like a, I don't know, pants. Not, not pants, but it's a strap. So, uh-huh. But it goes around like you're wearing something. That didn't feel bad at all. It was a little weird. Um, but the one that scared me, and I, in my first rehearsal in it, I was kind of like having a little panic attack uh-huh. because it, it, we stood on these perches because we're dressed as we were dressed as these big birds, white birds right. at the end. So we were on a perch, and all you, the only thing holding you on that perch is just a belt around your waist, clipped to something behind you, and it always felt to me like you were leaning forward. That is so terrifying. It was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got used to it. But it took me a while. Are you afraid of heights? No, not really. Okay, because I it, am. But it was scary. Yeah. <laughs> it was not. I, I, I would literally, it was like, okay, okay, okay. Because I felt like I was going to fall. Uh-huh. Did you stay with the, the show until it closed? Yeah. 
What, a, what an amazing show. I think I saw it five times. Oh, yeah. Really? yeah. <laughs> my friend is My fun. best friend is Ellen Marsh, so we, she got to go on in different tracks all yes, the time. Yes, she and, did. So that was really fun. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's raining ask you about your husband proposed to you on stage at Spelling Bee and you met him on the E-Train yeah do you mind sharing the story no not at all um I uh was coming from my agent's office um and we were I was riding the E-Train and it was a crowded car and I saw him and he saw me and he smiled at me and I smiled back and you know I thought to myself oh that's nice you know yeah. you get smiled at on the train very often and I got off my stop and he got off too and so I kind of knew he was behind me so I didn't walk so fast and he came up and he said something he commented on a bracelet that I was wearing and um and so then we chit-chatted as I walked up to Port Authority and um and then he gave me his number so, because I always, that's always weird to me when a stranger's like, can I have your number? Yeah. You know, like creepy. But so it was very not creepy. That's <laughs> and so I thought, oh, that's nice. Um, and so he gave me his number and um, and I waited three days. Did you really wait three yes. days? Yes. <laughs> was it hard to wait the three days? It, a little bit, but I was like, I'm not going to be desperate. Uh, so they, and so I called him and uh, we went out and that that's that. amazing. And then he proposed to you on stage on at Spelling Bee. On stage Spelling Bee. I wasn't expecting it. I, I knew that he had gotten... My my mother gave him my grandmother's ring, so I knew that, I knew it was coming. I thought, oh, maybe he'll ask me on the train or maybe out oh. to dinner or whatever. So I really didn't know that this was coming. And we were doing our bows, and all of a sudden, Jose Lana stopped the bows and said, "Ladies and gentlemen." And I thought, I was like, oh, "Is it at Broadway Care? Are we collecting? <laughs> what? Nobody told me." And uh, <laughs> and then Matt came out because, of, of course, he had gotten permission from stage management, and he had a suit on. And I was like, Ooh-hoo! and they gave him a microphone, and he got down on his knee, and he had a whole speech prepared. And the audience like stood up and cheered, and of course, then I was crying, and I looked a mess. Oh my and, god, uh, that's such a great story. Yeah. So everybody knew that it was coming except me. That's amazing. Yeah. I almost was like, congratulations. Like, it just happened. Congratulations. <laughs> um, I wanted to end by talking about your album. Yeah. You did, you recorded an album of William Finn music. Yep. Um, I mean, I know that you you were always a fan. Mm-hmm. How did you, did he work with you on it? And how did you choose what music you were going to I use? I did collaborate with him a little bit. In, I had a meeting with him and I, and obviously I asked permission and then I said, can you give me some examples of songs? Because there are quite a few Bill Finn albums out of, you know, the Make Me a Song and then the mm-hmm. concerts he's done at Joe's Pub. Right. And a lot, of, a lot of songs are the ones that always get done. So I wanted to have some of those in there um, and my own spin on them. But then I wanted to do material that wasn't known because he has, like, the show he wrote, The, the Royal Family of Broadway, mm-hmm. which... Um, because of rights issues to the story and all, all of that, I don't know if it will ever happen. Um, so there's tons of material um, from several different shows that had s- different incarnations that people don't know. Um, and so I went through music with him, and he gave me suggestions. And then uh, Vadim Feichner, who was the musical director at Spelling Bee, uh-huh. um, Vadim was my musical director for the album, and... Um, and uh, we chose songs together, and some of them are kooky, and some of them are very, you know, well-known Bill Finn songs. Um, and so, 
Yeah, some of them, a, a couple of them are, are, he wrote for a concert that was done at his alma mater, um, you know, so he had written songs especially for that, oh, so wow. no one would know them, but they're great, you know, like the story of the, uh, how I, how to make delicious chocolate pudding, uh-huh. the story about the dog, you know, I, yeah. I love that song. It's yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's so bizarre, you know, but I, I, I have a little quirky um, taste like that. Will you pick a song for us to play out the episode with? There's a mashup of Trina's song. And um, uh, I have found. We're playing it right now, and we're going to go to the credits. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Lisa Howard. Thank you. That quiet doesn't have to be a dirty word. Just talking is often. Hey there, theater people. Remember, I have a little surprise. So, remember a few weeks ago we had the great Elaine Page on the podcast? We actually chatted with her for well over 90 minutes. We had to cut so much amazing stuff from that episode. So, at my husband Steve's urging, I wanted to share just one great story we didn't have time for on her episode. If you remember, her agent came to her door in the middle of the night to tell her that she'd won the coveted role of Ava Perone in the original West End production of Evita. One of the things her agent told Elaine was that she needed to leave her house immediately because the press would be all over her the next morning. Elaine did not take that seriously, and here's what happened. And um, and she said to me, you have to get out of your apartment. And I said, why? Why? And she said, because you're going to be, the press are going to be on your doorstep first thing in the morning. This is long before the paps, you know, and uh, everything going viral and uh, long before any of that. And so what they would do, they would come and they would park themselves on the lawn I had a little lawn at the front and and that's exactly what and I said to her don't be ridiculous I can't it's midnight where am I going to go my mother's staying with me don't be ridiculous <laughs> did you stay so we stayed the night anyway she we opened the champagne and we rang my father who was down in Felpham in the south coast of England on his own because uh, mummy was with me and um um and we all sort of whooped for joy over the telephone had the champagne obviously couldn't sleep Oh so excited. Goodness. And she said, you're going to have to take the phone off the hook. And, you know, she said, you're going to be inundated. And I thought, oh, it's crazy. Of course, I knew nothing yeah. about that kind of side of life at all. And, and it didn't interest me either. The only thing I was concerned was, was that I got this juicy tart. And that's what I wanted. And, of course, though, she was right. The next morning, the phone didn't stop ringing. In the end, we did have to take it off the hook. And the press dumped themselves outside my apartment uh, in the morning, we couldn't get rid of them, and they were banging on. It was really rather frightening. They were banging on the windows and saying, "Is Elaine Page in there?" And blah blah blah. And it, it did get rather scary because you thought, "Oh, something terrible is going to happen. They're going right. to break the windows or something." Um, and I had to go off to do a do-up session for a, <laughs> a group down the road, and um, I think it was Manfred Mann or somebody like that. And um, I said to my mother, "You're going to have to stay." and suffer this, I'm afraid, <laughs> and I'm going to somehow have to get out. So what I did was, from one of the very first shows that I was ever in, called Roar of the Grease Paint, Smell of the Crowd, Leslie Bricker's Anthony Newley musical, I had the wig that I had worn. I was, for some reason, they cast me as a Chinese urchin. <laughs> Don't ask me why. <laughs> but I had this black wig. And so I put this black wig on and I put a big pair of dark sunglasses and a scarf over my head and went out with my coat up. My car, my little mini miner, was parked outside. 
and I went out and went through all these sea of uh, journalists and photographers, and they're all at me. Is a link page in there? And you know, and uh, and I said, oh, I don't know, I don't know what to say, <laughs> I don't know, and I, I put on some silly accent and it didn't <laughs> resemble anybody from anywhere, and managed to get into my car, and. Um, get out of the car parking space and I never forget as well this, uh, telling you this now looking in my mirror in the rear mirror to see and then they realised they realised too late because I was beginning to drive down the road and they were all it was like a scene from a movie they were all running that down the half with microphones and you know they realised that they'd been duped and it was me <laughs> under this wig and off I went to my session. That is an amazing story. And my poor mother was left to deal with uh, <laughs> the press, the English press. Today's episode was produced by Mike Jensen and me. I edited this one. Special thanks today to Lisa Goldberg of Lisa Goldberg PR, Bradley Behan, Steve Tipton, the staff at Oswalds, and Ellen Marsh. Just a friendly reminder to toss a couple of bucks to our Kickstarter campaign if you haven't. We will love you for it. We'll be back in one week with Tony-nominated music writer of Fun Home, Janine Tesori. Until then, tell your friends about us. Let's get the theater community talking.